0: Welcome to episode 137 of the IT Career Energizer podcast. My guest on today's show is Joe Previtt. Joe is a front-end engineer for Digital Airstrike in Scottsdale, Arizona. Before his current role, Joe had worked as a digital marketing manager while he continued to learn how to code in the evenings and at weekends. Joe also creates video tutorials for egghead.io and helps to run a local meetup called Desert GraphQL. So Joe, can I ask you to expand on that brief intro and tell us a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Phil. So I guess besides working on video tutorials for egghead.io in my free time, I also like to write articles occasionally. For example, I've written a few articles for Twilio's blog post. I'm sure some of you, your listeners have probably heard of Twilio, uh, but they do, they have um, an API which helps you basically do things like send text messages, make phone calls. Basically, they're a cloud communications API service provider. Yeah, and then besides that, I enjoy working out, playing basketball, hanging out with friends, reading, learning, all those kinds of things. So, Joe, can you maybe share a
0: career tip with the IT Career and Azure audience, one they perhaps don't know and should?
1: And I think one thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately is focusing on patterns. And so I think that's one thing that's a little bit underrated. And so just to give a little bit of background, so in college, I studied foreign languages like Spanish, Portuguese, Italian. And so when I was taking Portuguese, I took a Portuguese for Spanish speakers. And so when they were teaching the class, essentially what they did was show you patterns that were similar between the two languages. Because if you look at the grammar of the two, about 80% is similar. So it allowed us to pick the language up a lot faster. Yeah. So now if we, that kind of translates to programming in the sense of we have all these programming languages. And when you're learning something new, if you look at the patterns and kind of try and abstract that away, like, okay, you know, this is a function. It accepts two arguments. Afterwards, it returns an object or something like that in JavaScript. So I think that's that's one thing that I would like to share with with your audience is is focusing on patterns.
0: Presumably, that that's similar in in some ways to the the um, sort of thinking behind the fact that understanding the foundations or the basics of a programming language should be pretty much consistent across all the different ones you you look at. So, in similar ways, there there are patterns and frameworks that are standard between those different things.
1: Yeah, no, I would totally agree. Yeah, and and to go a little bit deeper, one thing, for example, when I was learning Redux, so I'm assuming some of your your listeners are familiar with Redux, but it's a state management library for working with React apps or just front-end apps in general. So it was kind of hard to wrap my head around at first, but looking at the documentation, looking at the example they had with a to-do app, and so kind of coding that up, and then trying to change variable names, changing different pieces, removing things, adding things, seeing how that works together. Then I was able to abstract away the pattern. Okay, this is what an action is. This is what how you dispatch an action. This is what a reducer is. So kind of doing that, like taking an example that kind of makes sense to you uh, or something that you already know, and then trying to abstract it a little bit so that you understand the underlying pattern.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. So, Joe, can you perhaps tell us about your worst career moment and what you've learned from that experience?
1: I think probably the worst one, which you know, I've I've only been in the IT industry for about two years now. But one thing that comes to mind is taking someone's verbal word over their written word. So to kind of give some backstory to that. The first programming job I got was an internship at a small agency. It was one guy, uh, based here in Phoenix, Arizona in the U S. And when he was advertising the job, he said, Hey, I'm looking for a front end developer intern who would transition a full time. And that's what I needed. Cause that was essentially my first role. So I didn't have a lot of experience and I took the role and I moved there. I was in California at the time. Um, Moved back. I'm originally from Phoenix. And so I went there for the job. And when he took me on, he said, Hey, you know, you're kind of junior. I can't pay you to learn. Essentially. I need you to get up to speed quickly and I'll pay you as a contractor. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, and we came to an agreement that I would do 20 hours of paid work and 20 hours of freelance. And I thought that was fine because it was my first one. And then eventually we would revisit it in a month to see where I was with my skills and hopefully be hired on full time. And so a month went by and I said, Hey, you know, talking to my boss. Hey, I'll call him Steve. Hey, Steve, let's (laughs) chat, you know? And, and we sat down and he said, Hey, you know, I like the way that things are going. I don't feel like you're quite there yet, but you know, let's do one more month. And I said, okay, fine. And we did one more month and, you know, I was asking, Oh, you know, what are you thinking? Salary range, those kinds of things. And he said, "You know, this is your first role based on Phoenix, based based on the market. I'm thinking, you know, probably in the 50k range." And I'm like, "Okay, great," because I was getting paid 25 bucks an hour. I was like, "That's perfect." And he said, "That's what I'm thinking." But I'm going on vacation to New York for about a week, and then I'll come back, and that's when I'll have it all in writing. And so I took his verbal word. He came back he had to refactor some of my code. I don't know if some emotions came in or what happened, but essentially he had a change of mind. And he's like, I think we need to do one more month. And then, you know, two weeks are going by and I was like, Hey, like, I can't keep doing this for so long. And then that's when we had the conversation. He said, really, I'd said 50k originally, but now, you know, based on how you're doing things like this, I, I can offer you 30k. So he'd really cut it down. And so that was, I don't know, if, I hope that still fulfills the category of like worst IT career movement, but essentially that idea of like taking his word instead of getting it in written form that day when he said 50K, you know, to keep him to his word. Essentially.
0: Indeed, yeah. So that, that's an interesting um, story in terms of what you've experienced. Um, I hope that's not too common a, an experience for other people <laughs> as well. But yeah, I mean, that, that's... Um, not obviously a great reflection on, on the individual concerned, because I've got a thought, I mean, m- most people do take people's word on trust, and, and therefore you build that relationship over that period of time, you're expecting him to uh, stand by what he'd said. So yeah, that that's an unfortunate situation. So obviously, you moved on from
1: that point anyway.
0: Yep. So it'd be good to hear about your career highlight or greatest success so far as well.
1: Yeah, sure. So so as I mentioned earlier, I've only been doing this for about two, almost three years, three years, I guess, in December. But I would say the greatest achievement so far, and this was something that I didn't set out to do, it just kind of happened. So I mentioned Twilio earlier. So I've done a lot of work for their blog posts and just work with their community and getting people excited about Twilio here in Phoenix. And so they have something called the Twilio Doer Hall of Fame. And so I didn't know about this before, but essentially Twilio employees nominate community members who have done something significant for the Twilio community and they nominate them. And then they choose, I don't know how many, like, you know, five to 10 people who are then highlighted at their conference, their annual conference called Signal, which was in San Francisco, California, this past October. And so I was selected as one of the Twilio Doer Hall of Famers. Um, and, and just to give you a little bit of background, so I used to instruct workshops for a local meetup called Thinkful Phoenix. Um, and Thinkful is an online boot camp here in the US, and they have local meetups. And so I ran what's called a Twilio Superclass, which is essentially they have this gamified platform called Twilio Quest, which is this 8 bit game. For learning how to use Twilio's APIs. And so I ran a super class in February 2017, uh-huh. 2018. Yeah, I think it was no 2018. Yeah. 2018. So I did that. I wrote a few blog posts and essentially I was just trying to get people excited about Twilio because it's an awesome platform. It's very easy to use. It's affordable. And and so yeah. So that was that was probably my biggest achievement that was also unexpected
0: indeed so yeah being recognized by by another group or or uh individual is always a great thing to find out i mean particularly if you were, weren't expecting
1: it as well yeah no i wasn't i mean uh i knew someone at twilio who had mentioned it to me briefly like hey you know you're probably going to get an invite to the conference and then i got an invite and you know i'm sitting up there and then here on the big screen the ceo of twilio is talking about the uh Hall of Famers and mentions, oh, this guy from Scottsdale, Arizona. And then there comes my picture on the screen. So it was was really crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Okay. Um, So the next question
0: is quite an interesting one, given where you are in your particular career. So what excites you about the future of the IT industry and careers in IT?
1: When I was thinking about this question and, and my answer for it, I was thinking from a developer's mindset you know, thinking about like different languages or, you know, I was thinking about, for example, GraphQL, which seems like it's growing in popularity. I'm sure, as you know, and I'm sure you've had people talk about it here on the podcast. Yes. Yep. Hence, you know, also why one of my coworkers and I got together to start a GraphQL meetup, which we had mentioned earlier, the desert GraphQL. That's something that's really exciting for me just because, and again, like I've only been in the industry for about two years, so it's hard for me to compare to for example, like using, um, the rest architecture pattern or soap or things like that, as opposed to the way that we're doing it with GraphQL. And I don't want to say too much cause I, you know, I'm still learning a ton, so I don't want to say the wrong thing, but essentially that's one thing that's very exciting for me. I've seen a lot of stuff with reason ML and rust just on Twitter and, and what people are sharing. And for example, how, fa- how fast rust is. Yes. Um, And I don't know very much about that, but I guess to answer your question in a succinct way, the thing that excites me is all of these new technologies that are coming out in languages. And I know some of them have probably been around for a while. Like I think GraphQL has been around since 2015 or so. But just the the number of things that you can learn as a developer in today's world is exciting. It's overwhelming, but it's also exciting.
0: I think it gives you the opportunity as well. So you don't have to... Stay focused on one particular area, you can broaden your horizons as well, and you can try different things and and find out what what interests you or inspires you the most.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think you summed it up very nicely.
0: Okay, we're going to go into the reveal round now. We're going to find out a little bit more about you and the way you think. Are you ready for this?
1: I think so. So what first attracted you to a career in IT? There's two ways I'd answer this. The direct thing was a Facebook ad for a boot camp. Okay. Which is kind of funny. Um, I had worked for startups before, so I knew about programming and knew about boot camps. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Too expensive, found free code camp. And I guess the thing that drew me in to programming was the possibility to build. Like, I'm the type of person who, you know, I'm thinking, like, oh, that would be a great business idea. And in college, I remember reaching out to there's like a Facebook group for the computer science degree program. And I would try and find developers who, who were interested in my ideas. Cause I was like, I can't build it. I'll find someone else to do it. And so programming, what drew me in was like me being able to take those ideas and make them come to real life.
0: And what is the best career advice you've ever
1: received? The best career advice I've ever received is let others tell you you're not ready Don't tell yourself that.
0: Right. Have you got a particular reason or experience of that?
1: It's kind of like the idea of don't self-select. Like, let's say you're applying to jobs and you're thinking, ah, I don't have all of these qualifications. That's okay. You can still throw in an application. If they don't think you're a good fit, they're not going to call you. There's no harm in it. There have been a few times where I'm like, oh, you know, I'll just throw my application not thinking, oh, this is something that I really want to do or this isn't my dream company and you know, I end up getting an interview or a call back cuz they're like, hey, you know, we think you might be a good fit. And so it's it's really just not telling yourself that you're not qualified letting them tell you that yeah, so that you're not closing doors before they might be open. Sure, there's a psychological
0: aspect to that definitely uh, in in terms of making sure that you promote what you can do as opposed to what you can't.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: If you were to begin your career again right now, what would you do?
1: So if I were starting over from learning a program, I would focus more on building projects and not switching between resources or tutorials. Because I think it's very tempting, like if you're going the self-taught route to see, oh, this is a shiny tutorial. This is a shiny tutorial. I should buy this course and that course. And you never end up finishing any, or at least I didn't. And so the real learning happens when you're building a project that you care about, that you're passionate about, and you run into those roadblocks and you think, okay, well, I want to build this thing, so I'm going to have to get over this roadblock. What career objectives are you currently
0: focusing on?
1: I would say career objectives, trying to do more developer relations in the sense of creating a name for myself in the community. And being able to get people excited about learning about new technologies, finding the right resources, so kind of doing that stuff that you see from a, a developer advocate, a developer evangelist, um, but not necessarily being behind a specific product and just being behind technology and programming in general. I think eventually it would be awesome to to do something like Wes Boss or Scott Talinsky with Level Up tutorials, and I know they were they were both on this show. Yes. But that kind of like, uh, like content creator slash educator slash teacher, that's eventually where I see myself, you know, five to 10 years from now.
0: That's a great objective. I think, I mean, a lot of people have said this on the show in the past, but the ability to then teach other people actually helps you yourself in terms of the way you learn. So yeah, it's definitely a good objective to have. Yeah. What's the number one non-technical skill that has helped you in your career so far?
1: Communication. Communication. I think that's one thing that I think is really important just because in all of the in all of the jobs, you know, the, the first developer role I had, the digital marketing manager, and then my current role, communication has been brought up a lot just because when you're working as a developer, a lot of times, you know, you might get a task that says, hey, Phil, I want you to build this header for our website. You say, okay, I think it'll take a day. And so you're building it and you get stuck and you silo yourself and then a day goes by and your manager says, hey, Phil, have you built it? And you're like, ah, no. If you had stopped maybe two hours after you got stuck, communicated to your manager, hey, I'm getting stuck and I have a little bit of guidance, then you might've been able to finish it and hit that deadline. So just communication from all aspects is really important. Yes. Yeah. Joe, can you share a parting
0: piece of career advice with the IT Career Energizer audience?
1: I think the, the number one piece of advice that I'd like to end with is to help others. And I've realized this, that there's so many people out there, for example, in the programming industry, if, if we're being specific, that are interested in getting to programming, don't know where to start, don't know who to ask, just kind of maybe need to vent like their progress or how they're doing And so, just offering yourself, like for example, on Twitter, having your DMs open and just having that in your bio is like, hey, you can message me if you need help, or just tweeting that occasionally. I found that there's a lot of people that can benefit and you yourself will benefit because one, it feels good to help other people um, and you'll probably learn something along the way.
0: Yeah, that's very true. You will inevitably. And finally, what's the best way we can find out more about you and connect
1: with you? I would say the best way to connect with me would be through Twitter. So you can find me at JS IO. So J S J O E I O on Twitter. My DMS are open. So feel free to shoot me a message or just tweet me if you're interested in learning more.
0: Joe, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's been great chatting with you. Yeah. Thank you so much for
1: having me, Phil. It's been a pleasure.
0: As always, my thanks go to my guest on today's show. You'll find our show notes page for today's episode on the IT Career Energizer website, which will be itcareerenergizer.com slash e, and then the number of today's episode. I also want to thank you for your continued support. It's always great to hear from listeners, particularly when they have suggestions about potential guests or ways to improve the show. And this was one of the reasons for creating the new IT Career Energizer Community Facebook group. I'm really excited about taking the podcast forward, and I hope that you'll continue to support and listen to the show as it continues to change and evolve. Thanks for listening, and remember, if you're not growing your career, you're slowing your career. Thanks for listening to the IT Career Energizer podcast. To find out more about building a successful career in IT, visit itcareerenergizer.com.